Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray for your blessing on the church in this place. Here, may the faithful find salvation and the careless be awakened. Here, may the doubting find faith and the anxious be encouraged. Here, may the tempted find help and the sorrowful find comfort. Here, may the weary find rest and the strong be renewed. Here, may the aged find consolation and the young be inspired. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Today's scripture reading is from Paul's second letter to Timothy, his young co-worker. Timothy was with Paul a lot. He was with him when Paul, when Paul sent letters to churches in Rome, two of them to Corinth, Philippi, and Thessalonica. Like other letters from Paul, 2 Timothy begins with a greeting, a word of thanksgiving, and an encouraging appeal, a challenge. Listen now for the word of God in 2 Timothy, the first chapter. I'll start about the second verse. Grace, mercy, and peace from the God, from God the Father of Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm grateful to God when I whom I serve with a good conscience as my ancestors did. I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. When I remember your tears, I long to see you so I can be filled with happiness. I'm reminded of your authentic faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your, mo your mother Eunice. I'm sure that this faith is also inside you. Because of this, I'm reminding you to revive God's gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or me, his prisoner. Instead, share the suffering for the good news, depending on God's power. God is the one who saved and called us with a holy calling. This wasn't based on what we have done, but it was based on his own purpose and grace that he gave us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now his grace is revealed through the appearance of our Savior, Christ Jesus. He destroyed death and brought life and immortality into clear focus through the good news I was appointed a messenger, apostle, and teacher of the good news. This is also why I'm suffering the way I do, but I'm not ashamed. I know the one in whom I've placed my trust. I'm convinced that God is powerful enough to protect what he has placed in my trust until that day. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus Protect this good thing that has been placed in your trust through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you and I do we need to do what Paul urges Timothy to do, to revive God's gift that is in you? 
Have you ever fallen asleep in a room that was warmed by a fireplace? A fire roaring in the fireplace, and then you awaken later in the night, shivering in the cold. You look in the fireplace only to find mostly ashes and just a few embers, barely glowing. Have you ever worked to rekindle a fire, to restore the warmth that you needed, the, the heat that you craved? Do you and I, does this Berea church need to rekindle God's gift that is in us. <coughs> so, what is this God-given gift? Authentic faith, faith that first lived in Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. Most of us are here in church today not because of some advertisement, some brochure, some book, some internet post, most of us are here in church today because of some body. Maybe you're like Timothy and you, you're here because your mama and your grandmama. You see, faith flourishes in family. Maybe you're like me and you're here because both of your parents nurtured faith in you. Or maybe you were invited by a friend Perhaps you just happened by, saw the sign, came in, and you found at Berea a warm and welcoming church family. Whatever the case, it is most likely that your faith has been nurtured along the way by somebody. <coughs> About this second letter to Timothy, some believe, well, some believe that Paul was getting older, and he may have been thinking he was about to die soon. He may have been trying to pass on something important to this younger colleague, Timothy, someone who saw Paul as a mentor. In this advice, Paul urges Timothy to revive, to rekindle his faith. So what kind of faith is this? Paul said it was not a wimpy, timid spirit. He writes that God did not give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. God gives us challenging missions, hard work, and difficult situations, but God also grants us power to endure, to get past the setbacks and past the disappointments, power to persevere. God gives us a loving spirit. To be Christ-like in our lives, we need his spirit of patience and forgiveness. It doesn't just come naturally. It doesn't come from our hard work. It comes from God. God gives us self-control, self-discipline, the power to resist the mistakes that come from fear and panic, from greed and selfishness, from unbridled emotions, so that, so that we can keep in mind who we are and whose we are. Can you think of someone in your life, someone who has shown such a spirit, such a faith, a faith that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled? The brother of one of my Facebook friends provided an example. His name's Carl. He's a Lutheran pastor in Minneapolis now. 
But he wrote that when he was just a college junior, he was studying in Shanghai as an exchange student. He said, I lived in the foreign student's dormitory with my Canadian roommate and, and a couple of other Americans, a couple of Australians, one Italian, 10 or 12 Japanese, and more than 50 students from Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. Said we Western types, as well as the Japanese, we were there to study Chinese language and literature and history. But the African and Arab students, they were in China to study math and science in English. He said, to my knowledge, none of them studied Chinese formally, so that left a lot of them isolated because they couldn't speak the language. This was in the days running up to the first Gulf War, Desert Storm. Carl remembers watching on Chinese television coverage of the first use of the smart bomb. He said it was a tense time for an American studying abroad. In the foreign student's dormitory just outside the entrance, he said there's a chalkboard and the students would write things on it. And he said as his days in Shanghai wore down and they drew closer, our country drew closer to war, more and more frequently they would come in the dorm and find that chalkboard filled with Arabic script and one English word, Bush. You don't get that, it was nice. Well, it was tense. He had a friend from Zambia named Enoch who went out and he told Arab students not only was Carl, not only was he a student, he was in the U.S. Marine, <laughs> you know, he said, what were you doing? He said, well, I wanted them to leave you alone, you know, out of fear. Well, friends like that, who needs enemies, right? They won't touch you. Hmm. Well, shortly after New Year's, his Canadian roommate was off on a trip to Beijing, and he was up late studying for an exam, and there was a knock on his door, and he opened it, and he was met by one of the Muslim students from Yemen. He stood in the door in formal attire with his jambia on his hip. The jambia is a ceremonial but very functional dagger with a broad curved blade about six inches long and it's worn by all Yemeni men of age. So there he stood, knife and all. And Carl said, well, I did, ex I did exactly what you would have done in that situation. In that tense, I invited him in. <laughs> I don't know, I'd say, yeah, my roommate's gone, you might want to come back later, but. <laughs> he entered and promptly did two things. He shut the door behind him, he reached up and he pulled the wires from that two-way speaker. You see that there were a couple of old Chinese party members who would, Communist Party members who'd sit and they would listen in on him once in a while, but also it gave him, it was their two-way intercom, right? So he was cut off and in a room with a dagger and a Muslim, he had, didn't know what he was up to. He said, I didn't know what to expect in that moment, and I really didn't know what to do, so I asked him, how can I help you? <coughs> and he began by telling me about his family, his wife and four sons back in Yemen. He told them about how they were separated for three years while he was pursuing his math studies. He missed his family. He'd been trying for a couple of years to get the university to let him come stay with him, but they said no. He came to Carl, hoping that Carl would write a letter 
to the president of East China Normal University to write a letter in Chinese. You see, he thought a Chinese letter would, would be seen as more respectful, improve his chances of succeeding. So Carl wrote the letter. He said, we spent hours working over this letter in Chinese. The fellow gave him his words. He translated them best he could. He gave him the letter at the end, and he said, I have one question. Why did you come to me? There are others whose Chinese is much better, who've been here longer, who would have done a much better job. Why me? And the fellow from Yemen with the long curved dagger said, I come to you because I know you're a Christian, and I knew a Christian would help me. Christian would be helpful. You and I, we need to be that kind of Christian. The kind of Christian, not with a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. You see, the point of Carl's story is that the testimony of Jesus, embodied however feebly in us, is filled with potential, the potential to be sure of unsafety, of suffering, but also the potential for faith and love to break forth from us. Our job, by what we say and by what we do, by how we live, is to share the gospel good news, depending not on ourselves, but on the power of Almighty God. Thanks be to God. When you find yourself praying, Lord, increase my faith. Remember that the strength of your faith is not dependent on you, but on the one in whom you have faith. So have faith in God who made us all. Have faith in Jesus who showed us how to live and who died for us. Have faith in the Holy Spirit who guides us and gives us strength to do God's will. Now as we approach bountiful tables, we thank you, God, for the food that's been prepared and for those who prepared it. As we enjoy the fellowship of this homecoming day, God, strengthen your church and us to do your will. Amen.